0: Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to the Marissa Says Podcast, where we work to normalize learning while fostering healthy and sometimes difficult discussions. This week's episode starts right now. so welcome back everyone I hope you're all doing well if you know me you should by now if you've been tuning in for a couple weeks you know I don't like to waste any time so we're gonna jump right into this week's positive affirmation which is the following I am a friend to my body and I will treat it with the same loving kindness I would like to receive so just being extra mindful, uh, you know, springs around, everyone's feeling great, but you just want to make sure that we're still taking care of our bodies because they're keeping us alive during many, 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 many pandemics and issues. So you want to make sure you are being extra kind and loving to your body, yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. All right. So what is on repeat this week? Uh, this is so random, but I've actually been listening to Ben E. King's Essential Playlist on Apple Music. My dad and I took our tempo down the first, the f- I think it was the first weekend of April. Yeah. Yeah. And we listened to it. I put it on for us to listen to together while we were taking um, the car porch down. And I've kind of just been keeping it in rotation. So if you are a subscriber to Apple Music, I definitely recommend you checking it out. Uh, But now it is time for recap and catch up with T, a.k.a. me, uh, and the one thing that I wanted to mention is that I realized I didn't start a new habit for the month of April. So you folks know I've been doing like my year of 21, where every month I try out a new healthy habit to integrate into my everyday life, you know, the 21 day rule, kind of putting that test, uh, that to, to test, excuse me. But I realized literally like on April 4th or something, I think I was like, wow, I didn't start anything for April so I decided that on the 7th I would start officially so that way I can finesse like 21 days three weeks to get what I'm doing like one week in just try to make it make sense so I can feel less guilty about like missing uh the first day of April all that to say what I'm trying to do now is I committed to going for at least a 20 minute walk every day. And as much as I love my girlies, I love taking them uh, for a spin. And I say that because I have one of them that is looking at me right now. So I don't want to say the word if I love taking them around the neighborhood, you know, I enjoy doing that. I really do enjoy going for my solo strolls, sometimes like not even music or a podcast, just, you know, walking and clearing my mind. And that tells me that my dad is home. So I'm going to stop recording and I'll be right back. Okay. So that was Nala. She gets VV excite when grandpa is home and I get VV excite for snacks. Cause it's time for what we eat. Hey, what we eat. So full like transparency This episode had to be recorded, uh, re-recorded, I should say. So originally, I had those uh, tangy, zangy, sweet chili candies. Like, I'm not sure if folks have seen those essentially hot, not sweet chili, sorry, hot chili candies. And there's lime, tamarind, watermelon, and mango as the flavors. Uh, anyways, did not like them, would not buy them again. I couldn't tell if they weren't spicy or if it was a spice that would build, but the thing is the candy at the base of it, like the candy under the spice and the, the sugar was also not good. So I just didn't even want to continue. Very disappointing, but I have another snack for this recording. Well, first I have some water and I'm also going to encourage you to drink some water now. So... This is the sound of my straw in my reusable water bottle. But I encourage you folks to stay hydrated, especially since it is getting warm outside. And... Do you know what this is? You shouldn't because it could be anything. Uh, it's <laughs> I have some French toast crunch in a little glass bowl. Um... This cereal was recently introduced to me, and I love it. It's so good with or without milk. And the thing is, I hate Cinnamon Toast Crunch because I hate cinnamon sugar. So I'm very happy that I can still have, like, the toast cereal experience and not have to suffer. (laughs) But (laughs) anyways, don't come for me every time I tell people that, wow, I'm just fully chewing in your ear, y'all. Like, I could say sorry, but I'm not going to. Um, So, (laughs) I forgot my train of thought. Shit, I'm talking too much shit. I was going to say, oh, yeah, people always come for me when I say I don't like cinnamon sugar, but I think it's nasty. It actually makes me gag. So... (laughs) That's, that's where we're going to end off, right? How's that for a transition? But as you can tell by the title of this episode, I have yet another guest with me this week. So I'm so excited to have been able to sit down with Tanisha in brackets more than once because we had to re-record. Uh, and yeah, tune in, enjoy, hydrate, be kind, moisturize, and wash under your fingernails. Okay, well, it's recording right now, so
1: you can tell the people <laughs> who you is, who you be. I am the other T. Uh, I'm a Gladu writer, and I work for an Inuit specific organization in Ottawa. Outside of that, I'm a foodie. I love to cook. I yeah. love to travel. Yay! And um, yeah,
0: yeah, right. It. Keep right. it simple. Right? What is it? Kiss? Keep it simple, stupid? stupid. That's mm-hmm. right. And then I remember I had a teacher that was like, we don't say stupid. We're going to say silly. And I was like, miss, please, you're doing too much. You're doing too much. But um, to, I guess, jump right into the conversation for today. Um, we always have great conversations all the time. <laughs> and I laugh because... They truly are just that great conversations. None your business, y'all. None your business. But one of uh, which we kind of landed in a couple of weeks ago was just uh, I keep like the way I frame it is supportive versus, versus unsupportive. But just looking at how our upbringing was completely different and how parental support was uh, experienced or the lack thereof uh, throughout school mainly, but I guess just as we were kind of transitioning from teenagehood into adulthood. So I figured we can kind of walk through it based off of like the markers being school years. So starting with like high school years, um, I went to a public high school in the South Shore of Montreal, super diverse. We had a country fair. We had booths from countries all over the world. My parents were super supportive. I uh, was... Basketball was the sport I played like all throughout high school, but the basketball girls, we would play like the touch, we play touch football and field hockey, um, which is actually really difficult, but, uh, yeah. Cause you can only use one side of the stick, but, um, yeah, my parents would come to every single one of my basketball games. My mom would be cheering super loud. They came to my student play, and I just remember always having my parents there. And I was able to like come home and tell, because I was only child as well, I was able to come home and tell my parents like the gossip, like, ooh, who's dating who and what's going on. And like the stuff that for them, they obviously were like, girl, this is not even interesting. But it was nice for me to be able to tell my parents everything so that I knew they were always there. And in that experience, I had friends who might not who might not have had the same uh parental support offered to them and uh yeah I this is the awkward transition where I'm like this
1: this is where you come in you? Yeah, I think that uh that description fits my experience perfectly I uh like you played all the sports um I did actually go to My first high school that I went to anyway was in the eastern townships, uh, Lenoxville, or most of you probably know it as Sherbrooke. And uh, it wasn't diverse at all. In fact, there was three black students. Uh, I was one of the three. And then there was Ann and Tyree. I guess the irony there is that all of our names start with T, but... Yeah, that's just funny. Um, and then the second high school I went to was in Gatno, And it was a little more diverse. I played just as many sports there. Um, but unlike you, my parents never came to any games. I They didn't come to anything. They didn't come to public speaking uh, competitions, any of the things I did. They weren't really present. And I was the kid begging parents to pick me up after and before practice uh, and get me home and it was super embarrassing. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I held like a lot of shame, I think around that for a long time. so damn. and it's it, it's
0: interesting because I remember being the other side of that. I was the van that everyone would always ask if they can get a lift home. And I know that I myself at times I would be like bitter and annoyed because I wanted to go straight home or I wanted to just like, not have to talk to someone on the ride home just whatever i wanted and and that moment i felt like giving someone a ride home was not was kind of inhibiting that but i remember my dad would always tell me like listen we don't know what they're going through or um you know obviously there were times where like some parents would carpool like we would switch back and forth uh, or we would have we would know some parents said it's like a single adult household and like they can't necessarily come and get their their uh, kid from a late practice because they're home with the younger ones but the interesting thing I guess here to note is like there's a difference between not being able and being willing versus being able and not being willing uh because I guess For you and I don't want to speak on your experience but
1: yeah no I'll I'll tell the people my disappointments Um, oh my gosh (laughs) yeah I mean in my case on paper I come from a super privileged household um you know my mom has from a white perspective a really great job and that would be policing as does her husband Mm. (laughs) which is why I know you know from a white perspective it's a great job um and I mean, it is in the sense that I guess there's stability and whatnot, but mm-hmm. we all know the problems with policing. So, mm-hmm. um, and we had like a good house and for all intents and purposes, I guess we were middle middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was never supported and there was no really reason for that. It was just... I guess the circumstances. So like you said, there's a difference between, you know, single parents who are unable to make it or just whatever the case. Um, but this was more of a willingness thing mm-hmm. uh, on my end. So. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I guess another example that you had mentioned while we were prepping for this episode was how, cause for those of you who are listening in Quebec, you go up until grade 11 in high school. So you have middle school, which is grade seven, grade eight, and then grade nine, 10, 11, that's high school. And then you go into a university, uh, you go into a up uh, program, excuse me. So up can be two years and that helps you transition into university, which would be three years, I believe, in Quebec, yeah. And then uh, if not, you can do, three years of stage up after high school, if you are going into like a career program or something and you can start working right after. So for folks who are in Ontario, you typically go to grade 12 and then you have four years of university, but we do grade 11, two years of stage up, then three years of university. And I have to, I do have to go up for stage up because I do feel like it does have its pluses in preparing you for university? Because I feel like that jump from high school to university can be pretty traumatic and pretty intense, but that was a jump that you were willing to make, right?
1: Yeah. So (laughs) I was super lucky. Actually, you know what? I don't think lucky is the word because I think I put in a lot of work, but um, I... In my last year of high school, I was playing rugby for Team Quebec. I was playing for high school and I also played for a club team. And, um, with that just came the benefits of being scouted and seen by certain people. And I was offered a full ride scholarship to Ottawa U, um, to some people that may not be a big deal, but to me, a full ride scholarship to university when university wasn't even really talked about at home was like a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And, um, because I was coming out of the Quebec system, like you spoke about, I was short of credit, uh, in order to accept my full ride scholarship. Um, the credit that I needed would have costed about like $350, that of a summer course. Um, Mm -hmm. so as you know, summer courses are even cheaper than, you know, um, fall semester. And I didn't have anybody to pay that for me. So my mom wasn't willing. And, um, I was just not like I think a lot of people, if they were to hear this story, would kind of question, well, why didn't you work like it's only three hundred dollars. But I think the bigger picture is like I was 16 and I'm playing for Team Quebec. I'm playing for a club team. I'm playing for my high school team. And when am I supposed to work between practices and games? Like when are you supposed to work? So I unfortunately was unable to take that scholarship. And, and, you know, the more I think about it, I guess there were probably opportunities that I didn't think of, but I couldn't have gotten a credit card at that age yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I was still underage, and I just didn't really know what to do because they weren't like open conversations in the household. So I missed out, but. Damn.
0: Yeah.
1: But then you got a public speaking scholarship. Right. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out every possible way to be able to. OK, so, you know, I couldn't get the scholarship, but I could still get on the team if only I can afford the university. So um, I decided to apply for Canadian Parents for French public speaking competition, which is a, I guess, national uh, French public speaking competition. And my favorite teacher ever in high school encouraged me to do that. And I ended up winning and I did get a $5,000 scholarship to study in French at Ottawa U. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. But
0: you still ended up going to Sage, right?
1: I did. So after being short of credit and not knowing what to do and despite winning... Mm -hmm. Um, a scholarship I went to Sejap because that's what everybody else was doing and yeah but Sejap didn't last long for me (laughs) I think because I was just like bummed out about not getting the scholarship and just I guess life life was happening like yeah i was one of those people I think Tara you've mentioned this before like the general generational curse that is kicking people out when they're like done high school Mm -hmm. and that was kind of my case and so there was all this like real life stuff happening and I was miserable and I got put on academic probation and kicked out of Sejap so
0: damn but right (laughs) how's that and my sage for me Sejap was um yeah something else I was was going to Marianapolis disrupt the system Mm-hmm. and then from there i went then i went to the university of ottawa but uh, i'm so sorry this is not interesting so i just want to jump to your ubc experience if we can.
1: <laughs> no yeah. yeah so
0: then i went to university of
1: ottawa that was great but you went to ubc well ma'am british I, columbia <laughs> yeah in a roundabout way so i am um, once I got kicked out of up, I don't know. I think most of you know that they ask for, like, all educational records when applying for schools. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and obviously being put on academic probation and kicked out of up is not the type of thing you want to share on an application. So I just negated to uh, let them know. And they didn't find out. And so I went ahead <laughs> and applied and got in. Um, but then I was kind of back in the same position of like, okay, great. So I'm ready for university. I'm going to university, but how am I going to fund that? Um, as well as like Vancouver's cost of living, even mm-hmm. that is astronomical. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So how'd you fund it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I sold the milkshake to the boys in the yard. <laughs> yeah, yes. no, I found myself in sex work, and um, yeah,
0: how was that? Would you ever go back in any capacity? Because I feel like I want people to probably look up sex work and the range of sex work. So, like, would you go back well, in any capacity?
1: I, you know, this, they don't know this, but I guess we'll share it now. I have acceptances to a few law schools under my belt right now. And I know that, you know, just having said sex work and my name in the same podcast, mm-hmm. uh, will probably, if it were to get out there, require a character hearing. And I'm okay with that. I'm not ashamed of, you know, what I've done. I view sex work as work. Yeah. Uh, I view it as valid and I don't see any problem with it. Would I go back? I think. So again, we have to break down, like, is it survival sex work or just sex work in any capacity?
0: Well, I mean, sex work in any capacity, because I don't want us to only talk about sex work as a, like a last resort, because there are folks who like, I love it. This, whatever their they're, they're people. Yeah. So in any capacity. And I also, one thing I started doing when people ask me like these questions, these like hypotheticals, I answer for the person I am right now. So I'm like the Tara right now would say yes or no, but in the future, something might change in your life or spirit where it, your, your answer is different. But like right now, given that we are in the middle of a fucking parallelogram of a dumpster <laughs> fire circling the drain of the shithole that is the world like, humans have created.
1: Okay. So <laughs> in a, what did you call it? A parallelogram? In a parallelogram, <laughs> I would never just because of the risk of literally contracting mm. COVID. Unless of course, OnlyFans, um, mm-hmm. which I've uh, only fans. I mean, I could, here's the thing. I'm always a proponent for bettering yourself and sometimes bettering yourself. Like, listen, we all know that sex work is there's the stigmas outrageous. Yeah. Um, If you're going to do it and approach it correctly, because I do believe there are right ways to go about sex work. If you're going to do it properly. And of course, I guess I'm saying that from a privileged position, um, but if you're going to be safe and you're going to um, use it for its good, because it can give you a lot of good, then yeah, I think I would.
0: Hmm, Fun. I've uh, I've like seriously done my research on like OnlyFans mm-hmm. and have considered <laughs> seriously considered multiple times in the last like now more than twelve months starting my own because i i i know i would make a lot of money and you don't there's i would i would make a pretty dollar but i don't know i just think i'm too chicken shit too
1: i don't know i think like the other thing that we have to remember is our electronic footprint yeah that's the thing yeah so to me um and you know this will probably make a lot of mouths drop, and it'll cause a whole bunch of commotion <laughs> in the circles that we participate in. But I think my avenue would probably be full service sex work. Hmm. And um, if you don't know what that means, I encourage you to go to Googleisha because I don't have the capacity to Googleisha <laughs> to explain it. <laughs> um, yeah. Hmm.
0: That that would make sense. I there was I remember I was in a class in I don't know what year it was. So I'm not even going to try to remember. But we had um, someone from the industry come talk and she does like sensual body massages. And I was like, I feel like that would be a really good time. Like that would
1: be massage and stuff.
0: Like, yeah. And she's like, I let the she like lets them give her a shower. So they like know that she's clean, but also like, I guess it her clients like that and I was like I can have someone wash my back for me wait a wait a minute ma'am wait a minute bring that back one more time um but yeah so not to like hard left turn so that was for UBC and you finished (laughs) UBC how's that for a pun sorry I'm so sorry (laughs)
1: That is so good. I didn't even hear you. Like I, I, <laughs> um, I did finish you, Yes, I did. Um, and I finished strong. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> uh, I did finish. And, you know, I'm super grateful um, that I did. Because again, when you're talking about sex work, there's so many opportunities as a Black, Indigenous person of color to and this, you know, trigger warning, whatever you want to call it, but there's every opportunity that I could have ended up in a ditch and not where I am today with law school acceptance letters. Right. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I came out and so super grateful. I finished.
0: Sweet. Did you stay in, uh, British Columbia, like after school to keep working or did you, um, like decide to.
1: I did for a bit. Um, Money was good. The sun was shining. Mm-hmm. It was nice. Um, and then I, as you know, ended up in Nineveh, But uh, For what? Sad six years days. on okay. and off. Yeah, six years on and off.
0: Sam! Sam, and now you are back at the... I was going to say at the University of Ottawa. No, you're back in Ottawa at what was once known at the... Laurentian University
1: <laughs> no Laurentian's out of Sudbury but I'm I know a- but I'm saying you're oh, oh, in Ottawa oh, yeah.
0: and you are attending well virtually attending what was once
1: known as Laurentian, Laurentian University. University you heard it here first they have it, gone under
0: <laughs> Laurentian University has gone
1: under people yeah so um I Going- thought that my current program got cut um which of course is really sad because as usual it's the indigenous specific programs and um of course the school is in northern Ontario so that's too bad um cutting hockey cutting swim teams <laughs> cutting everything they can teachers oh my courses, gosh. programs yeah all of it
0: So I just love the attitude that your
1: professor took. Oh, yeah.
0: We can share that.
1: The criminal acts. he The criminal acts of Laurentian. That's what he said. Yeah. And the Ford government. He's also mad at the Ford government, it seems. Yeah,
0: he said, my thoughts about the criminal acts of Laurentian and the Ford government and their devastating attack on Northern Ontario is here and it's hyperlinked. And then... He switched up the final on y'all and said, everybody's getting grades. Yeah, Everybody said, getting grades.
1: Yeah, he said, listen, I'm not here for this and we're all passing. I lost my job and you guys are good. And, you know, it's funny because he goes on to write a pretty lengthy letter and he calls out the Board of Governors. He calls out Ernest and Young, Dr. Robert Ashi, Dr. Alain. Harrison, Queen's University and University of Calgary. He calls out Doug Ford and the conservative voters. He calls out Saudi Arabia. He calls out COVID. And honestly, he said it with force. He calls out a PhD biochemistry professor who said some racist comments towards Indigenous people. He, listen... If this professor is listening, I am single. <laughs> he won't be because you know, but I'm and I'm here for it. I think that's the ally that we all need. Mm-hmm. Straight up, yeah.
0: Wow, wow. So we we don't need the 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 we don't need the guy who was the is it protagonist in *See Spirit* We don't need that guy as the ally. Oh,
1: right. my best friend. Uh, the, the, yeah. What's, the conspiracy guy. Who's the? What's his name? Well, honestly, I don't know that we need to give him a name because uh, he White Savior, White Savior, and Crocs. Ooh, what? What? What did you find?
0: So okay, so like obviously, um, interesting. So I. On Googleesha friends, and I looked up C Spiracy to see uh he who shall n- remain nameless. Uh, and one of the first articles, C Spiracy, Netflix documentary accused of misrepresentation by participants. NGOs and experts um s- are saying that it's there's misleading claims in all of this, but um so. They also made Cowspiracy. Have you heard of Cowspiracy?
1: Yeah. So I watched Cowspiracy. I think that came out. With
0: Leon... For 2014, it says. The award-winning 2014 film. And it was backed by Leonardo DiCaprio. And... Okay, but sorry, folks. So (laughs) Seaspiracy is a Netflix documentary that's supposed to be about, like, the fishing industry. However, you watched it and then you noticed some... Yeah.
1: So I watched it and I just saw, like, a big misrepresentation of, I guess, indigenous cultures and the grind that takes place in the Faroe Islands and other whaling, um, traditions, be it Greenland or Nunavut, aren't given the respect that they deserve. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's for me, it's always a white man going to some foreign land <laughs> colonization and, uh, misrepresent misrepresenting everything and putting his own like colonial twist on it. And I think that's what we saw again with Seaspiracy and he didn't take into account, you know, high cost of, of living and high cost of grocery and food. He didn't, you know, in these communities where they do practice whaling, he instead painted them with the same brush and said that it's horrible. The fact of the matter is we feed whole communities. Um, through seal, through whaling, through hunting, whatever the case is. And we need to stop looking at traditional practices and painting them with the same brush that we paint mass commercial fishing Mm -hmm. um, because they're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. We need to be a little bit more aware and a little bit more understanding of you know, the good that is indigenous, you know, the indigenous way of life and indigenous practices.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I obviously didn't have um, just because like my experience and my knowledge, I didn't have th- those same flags, but the few, like the one thing that I remember at the end that I was kind of like left with and kind of, I was kind of what is it it was like anticlimactic for me. I was like that's it is at the end the whole thing was reduce the amount your, reduce your seafood consumption or stop eating seafood altogether and that's how we can like bring back life to the ocean. And I was sitting there like that's it that's what you're going to tell us? Like what about folks who like what about like islanders who my I have family in the Caribbean who literally go out in the morning and they get the fish that they need for that meal and then they will fry it in the morning for breakfast and then they'll go back out in the evening and get another fish like there are folks who are just respecting and only taking what they need from the sea and also being mindful of like what they might be putting out into it so I just thought it was pretty like asinine to be like hey just just stop. I was like, that's it. Like we can't, it, there's not even like, here's a protest or here's like a petition or like, here's where you yeah. could continue your learning. Or here's like communities that are actually doing like uh, good things for the ocean. There is literally, it was literally like stop buying. And like, yes. that is such a, again, like I don't know. I just feel like that's also a privilege for you to tell me what I can and cannot afford. Like if all I can afford are cans of tuna for my family this week, then you can't look me in the face and be like, stop eating seafood.
1: The fact of the matter is what he did was he's talking about sustainable livelihood and sustainable fishing and compares it to mass commercial fishing. And you can't do that. Yeah. And, you know, what you're speaking about, what I'm speaking about, whether it be Caribbean people or Indigenous people, these are how we've lived, thrived, and survived. And in the times that we were doing this, we weren't worrying about the fish population. Coral still had its color. Everything Mm -hmm. was still thriving. And that's why, you know, you can't, these are sustainable, that's sustainable, yeah. You know your family members going out in the morning and and you know getting a one two fish.
0: Like, yeah, literally a one two like, barracuda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you
1: know and and we re- we need to really be careful about the messages that we portray because now you know you go on TikTok and we've got a whole bunch of people attacking uh, Inuit um, Inuit TikTokers based on, you know, country food. And it's like, you guys don't even understand, nor have you ever stepped foot in the North. So please, okay. you know, yeah. and, and again, I can't speak for any but um, we just all need to be a little more mindful and definitely do our research. So
0: definitely agree because um, I did research on a term that you were recently called, <laughs> and i'm going to bring it back up because i need to and again i get david hasselhoff um and you will understand why i got david hasselhoff because my girl was recently called a night rider okay so there was a gentleman who was messaging well there was we gotta specify there was a homo sapiens sapien, sapien. <laughs>
1: Yes, that was, that was messaging. Of Asian descent. Of Asian descent. Because I will admit that I think I would have been a little less insulted had it come from the mouth of a brother. In my but life. it did not. It did not.
0: And this man typed out, wow, I didn't take you for a night rider. So what's your dating experience been? Motherfucker, what? And according... To the racial slur database, that is rsdb.org, a night Rider is white women who date Black men.
1: Well, Tara, as you know, I'm certainly not white. That you are I, not. I guess I'm a white, but I'm not white. <laughs> no, you're not white. I'm not white. Um... But I am racially ambiguous. Mm -hmm. Definitely not white passing, Mm -mm. but racially ambiguous. Yeah. And uh, I think he may have just felt comfortable being that he thought I was of another ethnicity.
0: So he just was like, I can I can just (laughs) sprinkle a little racism in here. In here.
1: And she'll laugh with me. I think that's what he thought. But obviously that's not what he was met with.
0: He um, literally just said kind of a racist statement there.
1: Yeah. Kind of just called him on it. To which he then went, he responded that where he grew up around his way.
0: <laughs> yep. And it wasn't his intent. And uh, what? Sorry, you took offense a, a to it or something. Yeah. All that to say, shut the fuck up is, um, is the takeaway yeah (laughs) from that shut the fuck up but I feel like we talked about 75 different things in not that much time Uh, I appreciate you coming on but before we leave did you want to talk about the article you shared with me because I will be making that the homework For this week, uh, the article by Drew Hayden Taylor, When is an Indian not an Indian? Are we First Nations? So uh, I will include that article in the description box. But were there any like takeaways or anything that you wanted us to keep in mind while reading the article for homework this week?
1: So before you get into the article, you definitely want to familiarize yourself with the Indian act. If you don't know, Tara, I know you are all read up on it, uh, (laughs) but for those of us who maybe aren't, uh, definitely get into that. And, and, you know, the, there was something that really moved me um, in the article that Drew had said, I guess he was speaking to an elder Mm -hmm. um, and he mentions that she said, you know, I'll always be an Indian as long as there's an Indian act. And you know, trying to separate from the terms indigenous and first nation. And I think the government just pushes that terminology on us so frequently. Um, But at the end of the day, like, you know, they took away tags, but they're still putting us down to a number that is our status card or our, Mm -hmm. you know, um, number. So it was a good read. He's got screenplays, Um, that are amazing and I guess the overall takeaway is just like familiarize yourself and again don't tokenize but really just understand the indigenous way of life as best you can because all the problems that we're going through right now be it global warming or you know issues with just sustainable livelihood and whatever the case like the indigenous way of life could have really prevented all of these things had we continued living in those ways. Um, but of course, the Spanish and the Europeans um, had their own ideas. So,
0: yeah, self destruction, and here we are.
1: Yeah, clearly, <laughs> <laughs> clearly.
0: All right. Well, thanks again to T for joining me. I know we had um, one main topic in mind and then we kind of split off in a whole bunch of different directions in terms of the discussion, but that's what's fun about organic conversations. So now it is time for a petty wop on any block. And I'm not sure if I already said this on the show, but honestly, it doesn't matter because it's still annoying to me, but the people who do not stand on the social distancing stickers... In line, like at the store or out in public, and also people who go down the wrong way of an aisle. But here's the thing like, if there's no one in the aisle and you're like just speeding through because you know there's one thing you need to get, that's fine. But don't go the wrong way down if you're gonna be browsing and there's already a few people walking in the like one way direction and you're going against the flow of traffic. Don't be that person. Like, come on now. And it's actually funny because I have a little story time. When I was at Walmart, I think last week, I was walking in an aisle and there was a gentleman who decided to go the opposite direction down the aisle. And not only was he doing that, he pulled down his mask to start eating a little white bread sandwich, like a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, you know, those little palm white bread, like the soft bread. He just pulled it down to start eating it. And when we locked eyes, I was like, yo we're not doing this, bro. Put your goddamn mask on. And he did. He he pulled it back up. But if you're just like, you know, reaching in to get something that's at the end of the aisle and you don't want to have to do the whole loop around, that's fine. But I don't know why. I just grinds my gears. So don't be that person. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think that's it. That's all I had for you this week. Short and sweet. Um. Clearly, I don't know. I'm in a I'm in a good mood right now because I know I'm going to go eat some dinner and I'm going to um then I'm going to go to bed how exciting thank you so much for tuning in and I can't wait until we get to chat next time until then Alia don't forget to love off yourself now okay bye